Hello, it's Carmel Jane with the Carmel Jane Talks Business Podcast and this one, this is a special edition of the podcast that's not actually about business as much as interviewing one of my heroes. It is Deborah Francis White who is the guilty feminist. I'm sure many of you listeners have tuned into her because I shout about her all the time. But to start off, if you have heard her, I'm a feminist. But when I got my new podcasting kit and one of my team, who's a man, offered to show me how to do it, I said... I don't need anyone to mansplain to me. However, I didn't uh, set it up properly and so my voice is not very well heard. Uh, Luckily, we can hear Deborah very well, but maybe I should listen to the man um, because I might have set it up slightly better. And um, so apologies for the slightly dodgy sound recording uh, of of mine. Um, But anyway, still a fantastic interview. And as you know, the the wonderful woman that is Deborah Francis-White, we can hear everything she's got to say about intersectional feminism and how she's grown the podcast and a little bit about her life. Um, Love doing it. She gave me 20 minutes uh, just before she was about to go on show on stage for one of her live shows. Um, so a huge thank you to Deborah. Enjoy this. It is wonderful. Deborah Francis White is a stand-up comedian, podcaster, screenwriter, and corporate speaker. The Guilty Feminist podcast has had over 65 million downloads. Her fabulous new film, Say My Name, is on large release, and she's had a Sunday Times best-selling book. She is in the middle of a 23-day national tour and will be playing at the Royal Albert Hall in July. She is, quite frankly, a living legend. Deborah, thank you so much for this interview. Thank you for having me. You're a feminist icon. You're loved, adored, well, and admired. That's terribly kind. Not just by me, but by millions of other women. I guess a few men. How does it, how does it make you feel? Um, I don't really see it that way, to be honest. I think the the thing about the Guilty Feminist, it feels like an army I'm part of, not one that I'm leading. And that's what the joy of it is, is that we all come together. And the whole cold open of our show, which is I'm a Feminist Bart, which if your listeners don't know, is a, it's a sort of confessional, if you will. No, no, the, oh, no I've got the... Um this is the Guilty Feminist podcast. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's the sort of definition of it, which is uh, it's a it's about our noble goals and our, um, our hypocrisies that undermine those goals, and that's true. But the, in in the in the cold open, which is the the it's basically the bit before the titles, we always confess things, and it's always in the form of I'm a feminist, but so a uh, classic one would be I'm a feminist, but one time I went on a women's rights march and I popped into the department store to use the loo. And I got distracted trying out face cream. And when I came out, the march was gone. <laughs> Did so you catch them up, though? No, no. <laughs> I like to think some of them peeled off and were also in the department store. But, probably, you know. They're probably having a G&T somewhere. Yeah, okay. but, that, but it's a way of us getting out those paradoxes that cause sometimes can make us feel like, oh, am I the bird feminist who actually halfway through the march went to a pub? Because I know so many people who've done that have gone, it's just too crowded. I'm feeling tired. My feet hurt. I'm overwhelmed. I, I really wanted to come here and be counted, but I, I need to get out now. And you feel like a bad feminist. Mm. You feel like everyone else is going to get to the destination. And it's the same. W- women are made to feel guilty about everything mm. from, you know, if they're, if you're, I'm not a mum, but if you're a mum, you're made to feel guilty when you're at work. Guilt, yeah. yeah, then you're when at you're work and you feel time. guilty that you, you know, you should be at home and vice versa. So, and, you know, I'm not a good enough daughter. I'm not a good friend. I'm not a good enough this or that. And I think feminism can be one more thing to feel like you're not getting it right. And this show is a space for us to all go, let's put it on the table. Most times it's just funny. It's just a paradox. It doesn't matter. Yes, I was intending to watch that documentary on the suffragettes and I accidentally watched four episodes of Say Yes to the Dress. I sure. love that show. Love Say Yes to the Dress. And I was a wedding photographer, photographed 500 weddings and I can't stand weddings anymore. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I understand that. Uh, but it's, you know, there's, there are, we all have these paradoxes. Most of the time they're funny and they're silly and it doesn't matter and we can laugh at them. But it makes us feel good to shed them. Because if you're holding it, it, it guilt turns into shame and shame turns into luggage and you have to carry it. And it's silly. It's about silly things. And if it, if it is a thing we want to work on because we think, actually, that's not great. That's not making me feel full or open or powerful, then let's put it on the table and work on it and build muscle. So either it's trivial and it doesn't matter and we can laugh or it's serious and then we can actually work on it. But keeping it in is never the answer. So it's a place where women can come together, celebrate. We don't have to be perfect to be a force for meaningful change. We really believe that at The Guilty Feminist. And collectively, we have changed things. You know, we've, 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 We've worked on projects together, you know. Leila Hussein came and said uh, that the Dahlia Project, which is the only counselling service for women who've been victims of female genital mutilation in Europe, was going to have to close down because she didn't have the funding. And the Guilty Feminists stepped up and we we had a scheme to chip in. We, we, we kept it open, you know, when we went over to Calais and we're working with, you know, Choose Love Help Refugees. Um, they were saying they needed volunteers and, and so many people went over to volunteer. Engine, it's been unbelievable because you had a platform because I know, you know, BBC has a one woman, hasn't it? That 20% of the audience is women and here you're creating a platform for all the women. Well, I think, I mean, over half the watchers of the BBC would be women, but nothing like half the seats of Taken Up would be women. Um, you know, and they know that's an issue, but... Uh, the Guilty Feminist is a place for women and non-binary people to celebrate, come together. I am by no means platforming all of the women in comedy in this country. There are so many brilliant women and I cannot even think about how I would create a platform to put them all on. Like there's just incredible amounts of women. I try with my co-host chair to have a pool of, of incredible, incredibly talented women that, that fit the show. Um, and that so the audience go oh it's Susan McComa oh it's Cindy V I love this person so it's not so rotating that they don't have anyone to key into and know and love I also try and create diversity in that seat and by which I don't mean a tokenistic way I mean somebody could be a mother of a baby and that's different from the mother of a teenager and that's different from someone who doesn't want children someone could be um, you know a woman of color and raised by parents who are immigrants and that's different from someone who's a woman of color who's raised by parents who you know fifth generation British and I think so there's all sorts of ways in which there's diversity you know uh, LGBTQ plus is by very nature of yeah, how of a, a of a, 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 a differentiation. That is changing so much, isn't it? The idea that we're not we're not binary. There's not just boys and girls, and that LGBT. I think you're doing a really amazing work at bringing that to the forefront you know, and making me realise my white privilege and and just it's just remarkable what you've achieved. Well, I've learned a lot by listening to criticism, to be honest. I think when you start something, it's really easy to feel defeated by criticism. If people write in and say, oh, you're not featuring enough, you know, black and Asian women, you or you're not featuring you enough queer people. Uh, I mean, we, tr we tried early on, but we, we didn't, we clearly weren't trying hard enough. And I had to just go out at a certain point. I was like, I'm going to have to go out, find people, watch YouTube, go to comedy clubs, talk to people, get recommendations. And then once it starts, then you'll find, you know, Kima Bob was in the tour bus with us today and she went, you've got to meet this amazing woman from Cambridge. 
She's got a scholarship there. She's an incredible comedian. She's doing stuff with refugees. Uh, she's, she's Kurdish. She's incredible. And the thing is, if I don't have Kima, I don't hear about this amazing new stand-up. Um, but if I don't ask for the recommendation for, you know, I, I think Bisha recommended Kima to me. So if I didn't book Bisha Kayali, I wouldn't have known Kima. Yeah. So it rolls. So it's the whole, this is networking, isn't it? Yeah. Find those people. And when people say, well, we can't find any women or we can't find any people of colour, you, you, you have to consciously go out and create a space, invite people in, get recommendations. And then once you've started, it will roll itself. People, the people who are there will tell you about other people. You will just become a magnet for LGBTQ plus people. Once you've had somebody on who's non-binary, uh, non, more non-binary people will listen. And then, and then space for them as well. Yeah, you'll just find, it'll just happen. So women need to take up the space and know they're allowed to be in the room. At what point did you feel you were allowed to stand up and say, my name's Deborah and I'm a comedian? Um... I started doing stand-up about 10 years ago, more now, 12 years ago. Um, and it was because I, I had been doing improv, which I loved. And, it, and improv is very collaborative because you're sort of saying, yes, and there's lots of women in improv. But I started to realise I enjoyed improvising with the audience more than I enjoyed improvising and pretending to be people I wasn't, mm -hmm. like just playing characters. It wasn't really my thing. Um, and I still do a bit of acting from time to time and I had a cameo on my film. But mostly I just loved the excitement of that rapport with the audience. And I thought, this is what I want to do. So I just took a show to Edinburgh and I hadn't done the circuit. I don't know what possessed me. I think naivety. I didn't know you were meant to do the circuit before you took a show to Edinburgh. And I didn't quite know how to get on the circuit. So I just started taking my own shows. And then my second show ever got picked up and toured by a producer. And then I was doing um, seminars that were something between a TED talk and a stand-up show for women in business. And increasingly- increasingly power sort of for for senior partners in businesses who want to understand how to make a better microclimate for success for to, to, in order to create diversity and inclusion that's meaningful and not tokenistic um so i got my flying hours up doing different things and i think it sort of all came together when i started doing the podcast because i was interested in talking about women and non-binary people in a in a in a fundamentally male world but then I became very interested as I started to, to develop the podcast in, well, there were intersections of privilege that white women have over black men, for example, or certainly you know, as white women have over, um, uh, certainly white middle class. There are intersections of privilege that white women have over black men, that uh, non-disabled women have over disabled men, you know, and so uh, in that space, um, I started to understand that it, it, it's not, power and privilege are not divided cleanly on gender lines. Overall, men tend to have power over women, but overall, white people tend to have power and privilege over people of color. So it's, it's you know, it's cis people over trans, straight people over queer people, and so on and so on. Um, so I think that, um, I often think I started this podcast to wallow in my own uh, oppression and I've learned more about my own privilege <laughs> than anything. Because you become an international star and it must have changed you but you must have to be part business person as well as advocate as well as comedian as well as author. Less so now because um, the 
I have more people around me who do those things. But you I did used to. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I had to. I had to do a lot more than I have to do now. But my partner, my husband, who's also my business partner, Tom Selinski, he produces the podcast and he edits it and he gets it out by noon every single Monday. And he's incredible. And you know, there are people behind the scenes. Gina Dicio, who um, is you know very much my right hand woman, and you know works on a lot of the projects with me and. Is also a very creative mind. Do you, it's easy when you scale up a bit and you've got yeah, you I have monetize your monetize your actual podcast, do you? Which is kind of great no. considering how many download. I mean, it'd be easy just to go, oh, just slip in something relevant. I just don't, I don't want to because I feel like it's a grassroots movement around feminism and I just think I shouldn't be selling stuff off the back of that. So we, we've we always done it in front of a live audience because I always thought stand-up should be performed in front of an audience and I want to have stand-up comedy in it. And you're funnier in front of an audience. So I thought... You must get the energy, mustn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we sell tickets to the shows and that's how I get paid. And that's how I pay my acts. Everyone who does the show gets paid. But I've just never wanted it to, I've never seen it as a money spinner because it's not. You have to earn money to give you the finances to go on and do bigger. Yeah, we do. We, 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 yeah, we, we make fine money from it, but I don't want to sell. I, I'll, I'll give you an example is uh, there's a magazine that a lot of podcasts advertise that we could have done a read for. Um, so I could have said, oh, I was reading this really interesting article about feminism in this magazine. And I could have done that every week. But then not long ago, they had a really poisonously anti-trans, uh, transphobic headline, poisonously. And they apologized and took it down, but the article was still there and it was still nasty. So what do I do then? Do I go back and edit out any references to this magazine over the last three years? Like, I just don't, I just think it compromises the feminism. You can be you are so true to who you are and what you want to achieve if you're not paying no one's paying you to say well, that's the thing i just don't i just don't think it's right for this podcast i we do it on on the global pillage we do mm. we take because that's the sort of fun it's a quiz and it is a diversity-based panel show but it's a quiz so i'm happy to sell advertising on that because it's not this show is a grassroots movement for feminism so as soon as you introduce f economic gain into it beyond Selling tickets to that show and then paying your acts, um, it, which is a, that's a feminist. It's a feminist act to take money for your performance. You're, I'm a woman. I'm taking money for my performance. It's an absolutely feminist act. Women shouldn't have to work for free. Every time there's an all-female improv night, someone says we should give the money to breast cancer care, and my friends <laughs> like my friend was like who set up one of these, she said, I really want to stop this idea that if it's women, then they're not allowed to get any money. She was like, it's great to do something for breast cancer care, but do, do absolutely put on a show for breast cancer care. But she said, don't do it the other way around where if it's only women on stage, we must give the money away. Like, don't, don't think we don't deserve money for our talents and our time. So absolutely, I'm very happy, you know, I got an advance for my book and writing books very difficult you know you have to go away, especially if you're someone like me i'm very gregarious and i love people and i fight people you have to go away with your own thoughts and get them out you know and it, 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 it's 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 a long and rigorous process if you wanted to put the book to be good and i really wanted it to be the best thank you i wanted it to be the best it could be and that's of course i want to be paid for that i am so thrilled to be paid for it and i'm privileged to be in a position where anyone would pay me to write a book but i just feel like selling advertising what if the next day what if i sell advertising something in the next day that turns out they make their stuff in a sweatshop, you know? It, even if you've cleared it, it's, it can happen. Because uh, my radio podcast is about women becoming financially independent, because I think coming from uh, abusive marriage, trying mm -hmm. to leave, it, that is so important. And my tagline is dream bigger, believe bigger, and make a difference. 
when you started this podcast, did you even dare believe that it could be so big? I don't think I wasn't doing it for that reason. I think I'd given up on the industry and the comedy industry because I'd had a certain amount of success and it seemed impossible to break through further. Like, one reason you were on the cusp, but you're on the cusp and on the cusp. Yeah, and yeah, and I and I and it just became clear to me that the industry people were constantly saying, "Look, the the they were saying in these words, these specific words, the industry will only take a certain amount of women." And it just won't support more than that. That's what they would say. That just it's just as agents, it's not good for us to take on more women because the industry won't support you. So we're then getting ten percent of nothing. We're spending all our day trying to get you on a TV show that does not fundamentally how want can, you. Having BBC have only one woman and five men being lads in the pub, and that one woman. I mean, you're amazing. Mean, if I got news to you. Men on Twitter going, oh, she dominated. And then one of your fans went, no, no, she spoke less than any other man. I didn't look show. at Twitter, just so to be clear. Because I don't, you don't get too badly trolled. No, but but we no, for. but we don't look at we don't look at Twitter because of exactly that. You don't want that in your head. You don't. I don't. You don't want that in your head because then you go out next time and you think, am I dominating? You know, and you know, somebody. Oh, I think this was women? somebody. Like somebody actually added up the minute people add up the minutes that people speak. Mm. I think somebody timed it to say that I had spoken slightly less than my share of time or something I think I did see yeah. that actually someone told me about that but I try not to look at Twitter because you know they will There's say these things but I think I think I mean I look at Twitter for other reasons but if you go on the television as a woman everyone tells you come off Twitter for two days and they don't oh, say they, that to men oh yeah we all do it we all do it I don't know any woman that goes on Twitter after they've been on television we can't but did you see 8 out of 10 cats was an all-female show and mm. just laugh out loud it was amazing yeah yeah well, well, I the thing the, the the thing I would say is when I was told constantly, you know, the, w the the industry will not support more women. I just thought, well, fine, I'll go and make my own space for the people who want to hear it. I wasn't doing it to empire build. I wasn't doing it to get famous. I was like, I had given up on comedy as a source of. I'd given up my ambitions around comedy. Thought I just want to make comedy that my audience want to listen to, want to watch, and I'm going to build my own space. And that could be as small or as big as it. I don't care if I've got 10 brilliant regular followers who absolutely adore what I do. That's fine. But maybe that's a secret and podcast. If you do something that is so true to what you want to achieve that isn't about money, that actually if you genuinely want to help or create something. Yeah, it's just I just wanted to say what I wanted to say and I wanted to work with women I wanted to work with. End of story. So I did, I created this space, not ambitiously, but more to create something of great quality that, whatever devoted audience there was for it would be really devoted. Not for numbers, I didn't do it for quantity, I did it for quality. And then of course it took off. And then ironically, we created the space to support more women so that the industry doesn't say that anymore because they can see that the industry will support women. So, so it's what we've done is accidentally created a microclimate where women thrive and succeed. And that's a true privilege to have been able to showcase and amplify so many incredible women, so many diverse women, so many talented, brilliant women who are not being sufficiently showcased in other places. Oh, it's amazing. And there's women coming through in film and TV. Mm -hmm. and oh, yeah. I mean, we're part of a landscape. We are by no means the only platform that we are we are we are one of a number of platforms within a changing landscape that's showcasing the talents of 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 you must women. Like it at night sometimes and just give tom a nudge and go oh my god look what we're doing um we, be real, you must do that we're very yeah we're very happy at the moment and and we do say god this is an exciting time um yeah. i better go, go. Yeah. You have been amazing. Thank you so, so much. I think we've got uh, more than 10 minutes. Great. I hope you enjoy the show tonight. Oh, we will do. Thank you. Do we get to sing I Will Survive? Uh, uh, yes. Oh, that the God. end of the show. <laughs> Thank you.
Brilliant. Thank you so, so much. Oh, well, that was fun. Not my best ever podcast. I think I was a little overwhelmed. Uh, but yeah, fantastic. And a huge thanks to Deborah uh, for giving me the time. Uh, if you haven't uh, tuned in to her The Guilty Feminist podcast, please do. Uh, I think it's wonderful. And I think it's wonderful what she is doing and her team is doing um, to just to help change attitudes. And as a, a huge fan, but I hope you enjoyed that. Um, if you enjoyed that, I've got other business podcasts. They are lots of fun. Carmel Jane Talks Business. Rate, review and subscribe because it really does help people find us see you next time